Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Today's guest is Alexandra Nolan. Alexandra is actually an influencer and she was featured on Yahoo's most inspiring influencers list at a certain time. She's also though a self-made digital entrepreneur and the founder of City Chic Living blog, as well as the Unconventional Entrepreneur Academy. And just recently she came out with her first book, which is also called The Unconventional Entrepreneur. On top of all that, Alexandra is the mother of three boys between the ages of five and eight. So she is certainly keeping very busy. I think you'll really enjoy this interview with Alexandra. She shares the behind the scenes of growing her influencer blog and how that came to be. Wasn't that she set out to be an influencer, but I'll let you hear the story by listening in and tuning in to the business of you. Enjoy today's episode. Alexandra, welcome to the business of you. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, good. How's the weather in Memphis? Um, a little dreary, but at least it's not freezing anymore. So that's good. <laughs> that helps. That definitely helps. Well, it's so nice to have you. I'm eager to dive into your story because you are the first person we've had on the podcast that is a uh, influencer. As, as we you know, refer to some aspects of your background, you are also an entrepreneur and a businesswoman, and we'll dive into that too. But before we go into uh, what you're doing today, can you share some of your backstory and, you know, the highs and lows in particular and and how you came to be an influencer? Absolutely. It's it is a roller coaster of a story. But um, I started off in corporate America. I worked for a major paper company in, in sales. I was there for roughly six years and I was 26 when I left. But it was let's see. No, 27 when I left. It was a great job. I was traveling. If you can imagine the state of California, and then you just draw a straight line over to the city of Baltimore. I had all of the states below that, like cities, like the whole territory below that was my sales territory. Um, So I was traveling Sunday through Friday every week, which is great for someone who's not married and doesn't have kids. Uh, but I wanted to really settle down with my life and, you know, have a home. And so, um, and I also had this entrepreneurial pool like this. I, I just had this creativity inside and, and really wanted to make something of my own with a business. And so I decided to leave my corporate job and launch a women's clothing store. Um which has basically it's all snowballed into when I was in my corporate job, I launched a cosmetic line and it was a side job. And then that's kind of how, like, I decided, well, I want to do this full time, but a store can't, it probably won't be able to stand on. It won't have legs if it's just selling makeup. So I did the makeup line and then slash boutique. 
did that for quite some time. And that's how the whole influencer thing happened. It wasn't that I aspired to be an influencer. I just had no money to market my store. <laughs> so I started a blog and, and it was taking selfie pictures and in my clothes and doing, you know, spring makeup looks and summer makeup looks and just doing that through the years to really try to, you know, market the store. It built an audience and other brands started noticing and, and reaching out. And, and I was like, Hey, this is a second revenue stream. So I just kind of branched off and started the blog brand, separated it from the ivory closet boutique.com and made it citychicliving.com. And it has uh, grown to what it is today. I sold my store three years ago because the blog was more lucrative than the retail store. And it was a brick and mortar retail store. I mean, we did online, but the, the bulk was in like a brick and mortar clothing store. Um, and yeah, so now I'm doing the blog full time. So I just, and whatever comes at me next, I'm sure I'll segue into that too. <laughs> That's so interesting. So you sold the boutique in 2019? I did. Yeah. Okay. Perfect timing right. too, right? I know. That's what everyone says. I felt terrible because I sold it in October um, to a dear friend of mine and she, she did great. She still has it. it it's still okay. rolling and going, but um, yeah, who could have foreseen the pandemic, you know, right. Um, speaks to the brand and what she's done with it too, since she's had it. I mean, to, to live through the pandemic as a small brick and mortar store. I mean, that's a big accomplishment. So. Yeah, it definitely is. So the cosmetics brand, was that, did you actually research and come up with, um, you know, like yeah. different cosmetics and formulas yeah. for different types? So the way that worked, so my background before working in corporate America, when I was in college, I sold makeup and uh, worked for several different makeup brands. And that's kind of where that stemmed from. Like, you know, I was a makeup artist. I knew how to do that. I was doing it on the weekends for weddings. And I thought... I need to, I can make more money here. I, I, I was booked every weekend for weddings, even when I was working at um, my the paper company. And I thought, how can I capitalize on this? Well, I can do that by recommending products. I would put makeup on these women and they're like, well, what is that? I love that. I, you know, I need that lipstick. I need that. So I started a line and I didn't, I'm not a, a chemist. I couldn't, you know, actually make the products in my house, but I do, ha I did have a manufacturer in the United States um, that was, you know, FDA approved and all of that. And so they made those cosmetics for me, but I did get to pick the packaging and the branding. And that was a lot of fun. That's really neat. So do you still own that cosmetics brand or did you sell that to her? I sold that. Okay. Yes. Good for you. What was that called? It was called Adele Amour Cosmetics. Adele and Yes. This was, this was back when um, I didn't understand uh, branding as much as I do now. I've, I've been, you know, I'm in my second year in my PhD for business and I'm focusing on branding um, and, and sensory marketing as well. This is before, so I was branding names. Like, you know, I was like just a pretty name and a look and colors. I didn't, there was no rhyme or reason to it. Had I been able to do it all over, I would have definitely found a way to brand my own name because it all started from the expertise of being a makeup artist. I had already built my name as a makeup artist. And then I started a cosmetic line with a completely different name. I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> it worked out, but still. <laughs> Who is Adela Moore? So it, it's, this is a whole trademarking story. It used, it was started as Bijou Cosmetics and okay. Bijou meets jewel. So yeah. every one of my compacts had a little jewel on it and I would hand glue those on because they didn't come that way. 
And so I got a letter. This was also before I understood the importance of doing my research. I got a letter from a company that had trademarked the name, which they did it after I was already in business. So I don't know how that went through because generally it doesn't work that way. Uh, But I would have had to have a lot of money to, to stand up in court with it. So I had to change the name. And I liked um, Adele, like is a stony brook. The name means like a stony brook or stony place and a more obviously love and the the jewels were pink. So I was like, okay, that goes together. And like, I have to be 100% honest too. I love the singer Adele. So that just yeah. sold me on it even more. <laughs> so like, it's this, it's this complicated brand name that no one else would have ever understood but me. I was right. young and thought, oh, this is real cool and mystical. And, and now it's like, no, I should have kept it very simple. <laughs> Well, it, it's a, a regal sounding name, you know, it has, um, uh, you know, a high end sound to it. So it was yeah, a good choice. I, I was trying to go luxury with it. Yeah, um, it was fun. That was my first brand. So, you know, I, I've, I've done a few brands since then, and I've gotten a little bit better at it. <laughs> yes, that's great. We actually launched a WordPress theme back when Adele was really getting popular. And we named the theme Hello, Hello Pro. And so then our marketing language was, hello, it's me. Like that was our first line. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah, it was great then. But like now it's what, four years later or something like that. And you think if people are looking at that, that weren't familiar with that popular song, it just makes no sense to them. Right. But like in real time. Well, how smart to jump on that. Like, right. You know, I've never even thought about that with branding. That's so smart. Well, we just you know, it just worked with what we were trying to do too, right? It was, um, but anyway, it's just funny, right? When you do those things, but when it's kind of like the trend or popular at the time, but we all learn, right? We got to pick things that are timeless. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) All right. So you started the blog uh, to actually market the boutique and then the blog started growing and growing. How was it growing? I mean, were people just finding it or larger brands just stumbling upon it? Or were you really intentional about forming certain partnerships? So I wasn't intentional at first. Um, Like I said, it it was, I was just taking photos of myself and writing about the different trends and fashion and all of that. And so the audience grew first, um, like my customer base. And then obviously it kind of snowballs as with anything in social media, they tell people and and they tell people. And so I I grew this audience. And I think the main thing was when I was posting on Instagram and on Facebook, um, brands were noticing the the engagement and the, the, the following and that they're engaged and stuff. And they just started reaching out. And at first I almost like shot myself in the foot because for a while I was like, no, I'm not going to cannibalize my own brand. Cause it started as clothing brands would reach out. And I'm like, why would I do that? Cause I have a clothing brand. Um, and I'm so glad the light bulb went off. Something said this could be a completely separate business. And it was right on the cusp when, when the blogging thing was growing. Um, and so I did segue it off and it has become a six figure business. It is insane. It's my full-time job. But I almost didn't do it. (laughs) So like speaking of trends, like jumping on the trend in the beginning, it's really hard to get started as an influencer now. You can definitely do it. You just have to have a really streamlined niche, you know, to to get it going. Um, Mine's very broad. It's lifestyle. Um, But had I not done it, yeah, there's no telling what would have happened. Um, I kind of fell into it. 
So is your revenue mostly from ads and affiliate relationships or is there something else too? So my revenue is mainly through posting. So the okay. way there are so many different ways you can make money as an influencer, affiliate links, pay for post, um, appearances locally. I've, I've been paid to come and do certain appearances at different, you know, launches and that kind of thing, hosting events for different boutiques and that kind of thing. Um, and there are ways to do it where someone will put an ad on your page. And so there's that too. Oh, and writing a blog post. There's so many different ways to do it. My main though is Instagram posting and stories. So pay for post. And then I have over 10,000 subscribers on my um, blog, which is citychicliving.com. And so obviously that's not as visible to brands, but when they reach out to me, I'll kind of throw that in there. Hey, we can do a little add on. I'll write a blog and it'll go out in the newsletter and they tend to, you know, want that package too. There's just so many different ways and packages. Also nowadays, uh, this is kind of a cool new thing that's happening. Brands are realizing that, well, first of all, audiences want authenticity and brands are seeing that. So instead of hiring these production teams and makeup artists and hairstylists and all that to do these um, big commercials and that kind of thing, brands will reach out to me and just pay me for the content. Like I had one commercial go live on during the Super Bowl. I had no idea. They were just like, we need this video review and, and you don't even have to post it. And they paid me for that. And then all of a sudden, people were calling. They're like, Hey, you're reviewing Everly well during the Super Bowl. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but they pay for the content and then they have the rights to it. And they just use it wherever they want on their websites, commercials, and that kind of thing. So influencers yeah. are being used for that a lot. So what was that that aired during the Super Bowl? They, um, it was Everly well. So okay. Everly well, they do at home testing. They've got hormone testing, okay. uh, diet testing, gut testing, that kind of thing. So. Okay. And you, so they put out a video or you wrote something that they distributed? They, they put out a video. I was in my kitchen. They just uh -huh. wanted a, a, a 15 second video, they said. And I didn't know they were planning on using it for the Super Bowl. That was kind of cool. But um they just, they were like, send us a video. I was sitting in my kitchen and I just was talking about the product. And I was like, oh and I have used it. So I was just giving my, my natural review. And they ended up um, doing that with several influencers and piecing us together in, in, in like a review type of commercial during the Super Bowl. Well, if you knew it was going to air then, you could have charged a lot more too, huh? Oh, I know. <laughs> and I I was like, oh, now I'm better about looking at my contracts because I went, that's the first thing I did was go back during the contract because yeah. I didn't charge anywhere near. I just thought it was going to be yeah. a little review video for their website. And I was like, yeah. I'll, and and I would have probably, I mean, it, they liked it. They, they posted it, but I would have been more... Um, obviously I always do the best work I can do, but I might've gotten the lighting. I might've went and purchased special right. lighting. Maybe they didn't want that. That's probably why they didn't mention it, but yeah. I, I would have beefed it up even more and invested in different types of lighting and, and microphones and stuff. Um, but I did go back to the contract and it did say it in there. It said it could be used as commercials. And I was like, Hmm, okay, well now that lesson learned, I need to read my contracts better. I'm not mad about it. I, yeah, I'm, of course. But still, I was like, ooh, that could have been a, a much bigger paycheck. <laughs> yeah, but it still gives you great street cred, oh, yeah. right, for a future. Right. So it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so what is the behind the scenes like of your day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, continuing to build the blog, the blog, especially? Do you, so when you get a contract, say, from a brand that wants to run an ad like that, do you have a legal person on your team that reviews everything? Or have you been doing this so long now that you can decipher legalese and yeah. make sense of well, it or 
Kind of both. So I did not have a legal team and still don't really. My husband's okay. an attorney though, and he does oh, contract law, so it's perfect. Um, but yeah, I, he's been kind of, now that I've decided that I need to look at my contracts better, um, like I said, I haven't been burned or anything like yeah. that. I just I just need to look at it more because they are these, the content from influencers is being used in so many different new ways other than just Instagram. And so he looks at it. So that, that kind of helps out a little bit, but you know, I will say this, every brand I've ever worked with, um, they're pretty transparent in, in, in email, you know, like other than the fact that I didn't know that the commercial was going to be played during the Super Bowl, I don't necessarily know they even knew that either when right. the content made they just thought oh this is an idea and we'll put it together and we've got the rights but um for the most part you know everyone that I've worked with they're like we're going to use it for this specific thing um another way to make money I just thought of as us talking about this is whitelisting so they will they will put that in there I don't know if you know whitelisting like okay so whitelisting is where I create a piece of content and I post it and then they will whitelist it through my Facebook. So that means they'll put ad dollars behind it and then it, their ad runs on my Facebook page and it's me talking on my Facebook page, but it's actually an ad that wow, they and never so it reaches that. the masses. Yeah. And so, and, and they'll put that there's extra cost to that. Like if they're going to run ads on my page, there's an extra price for that. Um, that's also a new way that brands are starting to, um, you know, pay influencers and, and starting to promote themselves through influencer ads. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it, it helps to have my husband now to kind of go through all of that. Yeah, that's a huge help. So you've also uh, written a book recently, right? The Unconventional yes. Entrepreneur. Yes. And you have an academy as well that uh, yes. with courses that, and you have three children that are between the ages of five <laughs> and eight. And you're working on a PhD. So how do you juggle all this? Um, I, you know, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Sometimes I look back and I'm like, how did I do all that in a day? Because I feel like it's just everything's flying at me and, and I'm just kind of taking it as it comes. Um, I'm making a point to um, be more intentional and proactive. I always say it's so funny. Like my biggest uh, th- like motto in business is to be proactive and not reactive. However, oftentimes we're reactive to everything that's thrown at us. Um, I'm trying to be intentional and, and more proactive this year. So, you know, having a planner um, and not just any planner, I think choosing a planner that that fits your work life is important. Like I need one that has every day written by the hour so I can go and write every different meeting. And and then even like, I'll even write in, um, like in the beginning of the day at, after I drop the kids off at school and all of that, I have 30 minutes. I have spiritual written in my planner mm-hmm. just so I can get me time in too, yeah. you know, and, and, and things that are important. So, you know, obviously my relationship to God's very important. So taking that time, but actually intentionally writing it down, because I feel like if it doesn't get written down, it just stays up in your head. It, it's like real when it gets put on paper. Yeah. Um, so that's really the way, the, and I mean, it's not rocket science, but um, I feel like a lot of people know, yeah, a planner, yeah, I need to do that, but they don't train themselves to actually create a habit out of it. So that's helped me the most is, mm-hmm. is having a planner I can hold in my hands and making the habit every day of planning the next day out mm-hmm. as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Old school, right? I mean, of something where you write things down and because 
if you're writing that in your phone and you get a text message, right, that could easily then react, we go into react mode or we get notified of an email or what it might be. And then we forget what we were doing in the moment, right? Yes. And I still, you know, it's funny being an influencer. People are like, you probably have technology completely figured out. Like I, I do not trust my calendar and my phone because I've got two or three different email addresses. And for whatever reason, uh, I don't know if it's Google or iPhone, they create a separate calendar for each email address. So I never know which calendar is actually attached to my phone. And so, yeah, I have to write everything down. I just don't, I don't trust it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. There's something too about the the tactile function of writing too that helps you remember it. So yeah, absolutely. So the book. Tell us a little bit about the book. You just uh, you were in, was it in pre sale in November, but your official book launch is is coming up tomorrow, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is so uh, just for purposes of this, it'll be January twelfth because this will go out after January twelfth. But yeah, please share. Yeah. So, so yeah, I did do the, I did do the pre-launch and I have been selling the book, but we just did the big party, uh, after the new year because it was just really for scheduling purposes, but yes, the book is a mixture of a few things. So I do have some real unconventional stories in the book, um, stories about triumphs and also like what I like to call knee scrapes, um, um, or even larger than knee scrapes. I write about how um, my first marriage, um, obviously not pointing fingers. It was, it was definitely, there was definitely, I won't say issues, but things on both sides, but, and we're great friends and all of that. So it's worked out, but I write in the book about what I think one of my biggest downfalls in the marriage was, and that had to do with being an entrepreneur and not being able to balance um, the time I talk about, you know, you think of lady justice, she's holding these scales. Well, I talk about that from the entrepreneur standpoint, having family in one scale and work in the other, and it has to be balanced. Um, or if it's not, it has to be more family than anything, because um, it's it's an exciting, it's an exciting thing to live in your work life passion and do what you're passionate about. Um, you're just, you just have that way when you're not going to a job that you just don't love and all of that, but it can overtake you as an entrepreneur too. And you just, I mean, I would be up at the store until like three in the morning, you know, unboxing stuff, hanging stuff, getting it ready for the next day, listening to music. I loved it, but then, you know, family time was suffering. So I talk about that, uh, talk about even having to get government assistance after my marriage, um, because I was taking care of children and all of that. So there are some very serious things in there and it's all geared around um, entrepreneurship or different lessons I learned in life to apply to my business. But there are also QR codes. I always say it's it's not just a book about me and how I've done this. Like that would be no fun. It's it's got it's an investment. There are QR codes where you can print brand guides, printable worksheets, brainstorming sessions. Um, so there's that in there as well. And there's also the six week fast track challenge that helps you takes the whole book and puts it in a six week format. So you can kind of like start at the beginning and um, it gets you all the way ready for launching your business. Oh, that's awesome. So your intention and kind of your mindset when you were writing it was to help other, other women start their own businesses. Yes, absolutely. And to really talk about, um, you know, it's easy to talk about all the good things and there's lots of fun, good stories in there, but I wanted to be 
very transparent in this because I feel like everyone shares the good. And then whenever someone goes to replicate what they've done and it doesn't just work out perfectly like the stories they've read, they get discouraged. They think they're not good enough or they think this isn't the way it's supposed to go. I'm doing something wrong. Like, no, everyone, I I have yet to meet an entrepreneur that we've sat down and talked transparently together, say that it's all been just perfect. I mean, there are so many things, whether it be business, family, so many different aspects to this lifestyle. Um, and I'm really open about those. There are, there are times that I think there's even one point in the book that I say um, that I'm like a, a tear just hit the page as I write this. Like, you know, there are and happy ones too. Like I, I write about selling the store and how it was, it's nostalgic to even think about today. You know, my first my first actual store baby brand, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I try to keep it really real in the book. <laughs> what well, sounds like a great book. There's definitely a friend I'm going to buy that for. Cause uh, it's true. There's not so much that's shared about the challenges of entrepreneurship. And when we hear people's stories, when they're already a success, right. We don't really, we don't realize what they went through. And when we're starting our own journey, we think, oh, you know, we're going to check a couple things off our list and then boom, we've got a business and it's just smooth sailing from there. But it's not. And I've found um, 13 years into my own business, there's still ups and downs, right? It, it's never something where you get to a point where you can just put it on autopilot. At least that's right. been my experience. No, that's so true. I, um, when I started my businesses, that, that was my goal, right? I'm like, I'm going to get this where I can just, um, it can run itself and I can yeah. just make all this money and be traveling the world and it'll run itself. And I mean, I think they get to, they may get to that point for a month or two at a time, but it's never like that forever. I mean, there's mm-hmm. always, I mean, the environments are changing. I mean, even with the way that we do business today, that's actually a huge, the theme of the book, Unconventional Entrepreneur. Um, It also talks a lot about unconventional strategies versus traditional business strategies uh, because it's the world has changed so much, especially with COVID. Everyone is online. So digital strategies are like, it's like out with the traditional marketing uh, billboards, that kind of thing. Yeah, it works, but like it's in with the digital, everything's digital. So it talks about, like you have to jump on that train and get on it quick, you know, to right. make pivot and, and be flexible and make those changes. Yeah, it's so true. Are you still with the unconventional entrepreneur brand? Are you still focusing on Instagram and, and Facebook to build that brand? Yeah, I, yes, I am posting on Instagram with my current audience mm-hmm. and I am doing ads through Facebook. Okay. Um, what I've learned in my experience, at least Facebook converts better than Instagram. If you think about the, the, the goal when they were set up. So, you know, Facebook is more, I would say my age and, and older, I'm 36. I re- I mean, I am of the generation where you had to be in college with a college email to get Facebook. So I, that used to be, I think I was the last age group before they just started letting anyone with the email get it. Um, so, so all that to say, I go back to that initial first target market and Facebook was like, it was the first thing, social media, then they did the businesses. They were, people were buying stuff and all that. When Instagram came along, it, it started off as just a picture board. So the people that were getting on Instagram, now everyone's on Instagram, but at the same time, it's still that mindset. It was, it was, it was 
targeted for, you know, people that want to scroll through pictures and like pictures. And what I've learned is when I do ads on Instagram, people will like them and, and comment and engage, but to get a conversion is much harder than on Facebook. I mean, Facebook is where you sell things. Instagram is where you get the brand identity and brand recall going. Okay. And Facebook is where I actually sell product. Interesting. That is very interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought that based on all the changes Facebook's made in the last year. I know. I know. Yeah. It's harder now. Um, when I had my clothing store and also when I launched the clothing store, that was before Facebook business. So it was in 2012. Well, before they had, maybe they were, it was in a, uh, some sort of beta phase. I'm not sure, but I didn't have Facebook business. I launched it with my personal Facebook. And then I remember when I was approached about Facebook business and it might've been later that year. Um, but I was kind of on the cusp of everything, you know, like, I. I, I was in the old and now I'm in the new and um, there have been some changes. It's been a little bit harder to convert on Facebook, but, um, but yeah, still definitely where I make sales more than Instagram. And Pinterest is just, Pinterest is a, is a bomb waiting to explode. That is where it's at. Um, it is so inexpensive to do ads on Pinterest. They are so unique because People think it's a social media platform. It's not. I mean, you're not there to talk with your yeah. friends. You're actually, it's like a Google. You're there yeah. to get ideas. Mm -hmm. And so it's just so many businesses are missing the mark on that. And I mean, I drive the number one driver to my blog, believe it or not, is Pinterest over Instagram. Hmm. So uh, I'll post my reviews on Instagram and and talk about things that maybe that's why, because they see the reviews yeah. and videos they don't need to click, but Pinterest, like I've, I've got all these, um, DIYs, do it yourself type things. And I posted on Pinterest and it just drives so many people to the blog posts. So you post an image in Pinterest and then you, in, in the notes kind of drive back the traffic to your website. Is that what you do? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's and I brilliant. also will uh, do ads and it's mm -hmm. crazy because with the Pinterest ad, you can spend 10 bucks and get like triple quadruple the amount of clicks that you would get through any other social hmm. platform. Well, and so I'm capitalizing on that because I know that once the world realizes the power of Pinterest, then um, it's going to be a lot more money to yeah. advertise on there. And that's a lot of the, this influencer game. You have to be like first to jump on the trends. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, I'm like telling everybody about it, but not really because I'm like, I don't want everybody because yeah. like, the price will come <laughs> up. But it's definitely like a, a secret weapon and and back pocket for marketing. Oh, that's good. Good nugget of wisdom. <laughs> Thanks. I'm curious, as an influencer, has a brand ever approached you that you didn't feel comfortable working with for whatever reason? Yes, that happens. And I'm very polite about it. Um, basically, I just tell them, you know, I don't think that this really fits my audience. Um, and, and they appreciate that because they don't want to spend money on something and it not perform well. Um, so yes, I've done that. And, and I haven't had any pushback or anyone be upset about that. But it's also like, you know, it's when you're making money and it's your full-time job, a lot of times, like it's, it's hard to say no to, you know, because you know, it's your only income. But the other, the other side of it is this is 100% branding. And so I have to be very protective, not only of my brand and keeping the image that, you know, um, and, and only promoting products that my audience will like, I also don't want them to think that I'm, you know, everything's, a, I'm selling everything. Right. Like, so I'm, I have to be careful. I do a lot of just regular me family posts, and then I'll do 
branded posts and they are products that I've tried. I, I don't get on there and fluff anything, but I do try to keep a balance there. And two, with and a lot of people don't think about this, um, talking about protecting your brand, the way influencers get paid too is based on their following that's engaged, like a real true following that's engaged. But the brands want to see my insights. So they want to see how many females, what countries. So I have to be, I don't want, my, my brand is geared towards women um, and really in any country, but you get paid more if it, if you have a higher USA following being in the USA with brands that are, that maybe are only available in the USA. So I'm very particular about not posting, you know, products that would get men to follow me or, right. you know, like I just have to be really strategic in that as well, because if you damage your insights and your demographic yeah. that your audience, it, it really hurts your income too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And again, like then you can keep building that audience too and, and adding to it by, by being niche and least, at least in, you know, the types of products you, you uh, promote. Yes, absolutely. So um, the book is coming out very soon. You have a, a UE Academy as well. Um, what is the best way to support you and, and work with you if our audience is interested? Um, if you go to learnunconventional.com, the book is housed there. And also I have some online courses um, about that helps you in launching your business and all that. I do have a free course um, that is called Prepping to Become Your Own Boss. So it's kind of like the pre-phases of actually starting the launch process. Um, so that's on there. And then on Instagram, I post every day in stories um, on my page. Uh, it's more just kind of the behind the scenes. And that's my Instagram handle is alexandra.nicole. Awesome. And the book will be available on Amazon or already is? It is. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, pretty much Great. any major online bookseller. All right. And that title is The Unconventional Entrepreneur. So we will check it out. Thank you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends. <laughs>